What are the root causes of some of the situations that our children end up in that enables criminality to be one of the consequences of that child's upbringing? And I often believe that criminality is another outcome or consequence of trauma. I agree. In a just society, do we as a people think it's acceptable to incarcerate traumatised children? This is Common Era, a podcast from Labora Press discussing spirituality in an age of change. I'm Chris Donald, and this podcast is brought to you by The Passionists, a monastic community in the UK dedicating their lives to social justice and solidarity as an extension of their faith. In our second season, we're hosting a conversation between Anne-Marie Lewis, a leading business youth and justice consultant, and Matt Sadiso, a composer, songwriter, and podcaster with a background in human rights law. Does punishment even work? In this episode, Matsudiso and Anne-Marie put the very concept of crime and punishment under scrutiny. If the prison system we've created is ultimately a failure, what kind of approach could take its place? As people, we need there to be an acknowledgement of wrong and some consequences of that wrong. But how can we move from that to establishing a humane, case-by-case understanding of criminality? viewing people not just as offenders, but truly as human beings made in the image of God. In particular in this episode, Anne-Marie brings her 25 years of experience in the youth justice space to deeply challenge our presumptions about crime and a whole section of society that we find convenient to forget about. So let's think about then reconciliation and racial reconciliation and what that looks like. What do do you think? So um, I guess we've touched a lot on on justice and righteousness. Mm -hmm. And I think that moves us into the conversation around justice and mercy, Mm. because I the two go together and often when we were talking about earlier around some of the fears that people may have around you know why they don't speak up or why they don't get involved in whether it be racial justice or any of the other you know climate social whatever it may be but obviously we're talking about racial at the moment but one of the things I think um almost to help people get over some of those fears really is around Mm. the, the 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 whole concept of forgiveness Mm. And understanding that as children of God and as followers of, you know, it is equally as much as it's our duty to do just and and to be just, Mm -hmm. that includes also the almost the other side, the oppressed, having a duty to forgive if if forgiveness is asked. I think sometimes, you know, we think of forgiveness as saying that a wrong wasn't, we're not saying that the wrong didn't happen or that the wrong was okay. We are releasing that person from having power over us yeah. or that 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 trauma from having power over us yeah. by releasing it do yeah. you know what I mean and I think that's a a different thing when it comes to forgiveness and that's why isn't For it why sure. Jesus says forgive 70 times 7 we have to keep forgiving if my brother wants to learn and he wants to change and he wants to understand these conversations and he wants to or she wants to know how to engage with me my approach has to be one of love you know, mm. compassion and right judgment. Mm. And that means seeing them mm. 
equally through the eyes and image of God. Mm, 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 and then starting the conversation to yeah, say, yeah. I come from a place of love. Yeah. I come from a place of peace. Mm-hmm. I come from a place of open, welcoming mm-hmm. and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And let's dialogue. And I think that leads me to one of the things around reconciliation in um, that we're new creations. Mm-hmm. And if we're new creations in God and we have a new start, that, that goes for everything really. We can draw a line we can, you know, come together and believing that, okay, you've asked forgiveness, I've forgiven, we've all asked for forgiveness under Jesus, so now we can start anew together mm-hmm. and build a new society mm-hmm. in the image of God yeah. that gives us both freedom from the, the, the hells of our past. Mm, I love that. And I, and, and I think also, you know, when I think about the love of God, God, it far surpasses what we consider love to look like. Mm. Jesus didn't hold us to account for all our wrongdoing. He actually chose to bear it in his, our wrongdoing in, in his body. What it gives way to is a love that's so superior that actually yeah. people are like, oh, this is what God is like. Because that's, again, it's always back to that place. The love of God is so superior. It, it, it's not, it's, you know, that's why Jesus said, you know, don't love like the heathens love. Yeah. That's yeah. why he says love your enemies because there's such yeah. a superior love there. And I mean, I've yeah. heard stories of like, you know, people that who've forgiven like terrorist attackers that have blown up a building and they've ministered to the person so much mm that that person ended up giving their life to Jesus because mm. the love was so radical. Yeah. They were like, this must be God. Yeah. And so we have an opportunity to show forgiveness and mercy and love and all of those things in mm. such a way that it's so radical. People, because part, you know, our role as preachers of the gospel is to show people what God is like. And yeah. we, so it requires us to do these radical acts of love yes. that are impossible except for God. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And so with that in mind, this is a perfect segue to talk about what I'm calling crime and punishment <laughs> and just youth justice yeah. and what it looks like for reconciliation in this space. We've spoken about justice and we had mentioned talking about Carl Rittenhouse a little bit because I think that's a really interesting example. Mm. But perhaps maybe and I know this is this is your like area of expertise <laughs> so let's talk about first of all just what does God say about I guess crime and punishment we've mm. spoken a little bit about yeah. that at the beginning but what does he say about it I, I guess my interpretation of justice and reading of crime um is not from a crime and punishment perspective mm-hmm. but from a crime and consequence perspective okay. and definitely I think there is a difference between how um consequence is viewed in the Old Testament mm-hmm. versus how consequences viewed in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some, I think in the Old Testament, we see more prevalent the judgments of God and clear outcomes yeah. that could be deemed as punishment. Um, again, even though we see that side to God more prevalent in the Old Testament, I still think of it in terms of crime and consequence because if it was just punitive and if it was crime and punishment, as I said before, God would not have made safe havens Mm. even Mm. out of his own, you know, um, views and thoughts and laws. And he 
as I said, made cities of refuge for people, for safe houses. He appointed righteous judges. He set up people in ways of, you know, fairness and, you know, accountability and all of those things. But he was equally, in my mind, very clear that there are consequences when you break laws, when you mm. breach, and, and really his laws, yes. there are consequences. Because in terms of earthen laws or the world's laws, mm. some of the world's laws are completely unjust. So people will break them. So mm -hmm. sometimes mm -hmm. you have that, that, that almost tension between an unrighteous, unjust earthly law mm. and a righteous God law. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it has led to people rebelling, breaking mm -hmm. man's laws. Mm -hmm. Civil rights movement is prime example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, suffragette movement, yeah. women's rights, prime examples, you know, um, where many have rebelled mm -hmm. or, or pushed back against the laws of man mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in favour of, of, of a higher law. Okay. So if, if we're then moving towards crime and consequence what does that look like um yeah how does it play out because I think often you know when when politicians are about to be elected tough on crime is always mm -hmm. a thing yeah and we we understand that none of what we're saying is that we create societies that are unsafe actually yeah. we're saying in order to create whole holistic yeah. whole societies yeah. the way we deal with um, crime and justice and all of those mm. things has to look different. Yeah. I was reading somewhere, I think the stats have changed, and you'll know better than me, that the number, the, the rates of repeat offending are so high once someone gets into, goes yeah. into the prison system. Yeah. And breaking that cycle of repeat offending is actually becomes quite difficult. Yeah. Um, so talk to me about consequence. Yeah, let's talk about consequence first yeah. and what that means, maybe perhaps with an example so it's sure. easier for understand. Let's talk about that first. So I guess one of the things to really think about is, I guess before we go into consequence actually, is to understand that in the history of the world, punishment has never achieved what we wanted it to achieve. Mm. We do not have safe societies right now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and we have had an abundance of a punitive approach. Right. So the idea or notion that tough on crime and punishment and incarceration equates to protecting the public, when we know that offenders reoffend, I think it's like 70 or 80% yeah, reoffend within the first year. Right, 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 right. Well, it's very clear yeah, 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 yeah. that that type of punitive punishment did not have the desired outcome. Mm -hmm. We know from psychology, from, you know, academia from lived experience from all of the different areas that a punitive approach it is it, not effective and then we see that in God's own examples that when people were punished it did not make the Israelites comply they couldn't even keep up with all the rules and the laws and the regulations yeah, 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 yeah. and God had to then send his own son he had to do something different yeah because yeah, we yeah, recognize yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. A punitive approach is never going to change human hearts and behaviours. Mm -hmm. You may comply for a while because somebody has power over you, somebody has dominance over you, mm. but it really is a change of heart. It's that right, repentance, that right, mindset right. that then starts to get into my behaviour changes. And my and, and we, we see this with um, 
in the criminal justice cycle that interventions and all of these things that tackle the symptom but do not tackle the change of heart or change of mindset continues to attribute to why people reoffend mm. because until you have that heart change yeah. you know that's what's going to lead your mind to change and then you can start to think about okay what what interventions work what does you know um what what really works to create a change in someone's behavior to Re, I don't like the word rehabilitation, but to... Why? Sorry, I'm sick of putting that. Why don't you like the word Because I think that we have all, all of these root words and all of the things are associated with something being wrong with the person okay. and us having to fix the person mm-hmm. as opposed to what was wrong with society that created the environments that, that have led to some people ending up in criminality mm-hmm. and it's it, it becomes very much about negative connotations mm-hmm. as opposed to going back to the we are all made in the image of God mm-hmm. if people have done wrong or if people have breached our laws and the things that we've put mm-hmm. in place what is the best course of action from a God perspective or from a just perspective mm-hmm. um to have the retributive part in terms of making up for what the harm that was done what does that look like mm-hmm. if we think justice from the point of both sides being free under god yes what is the best course of action mm-hmm. for somebody who has done wrong mm-hmm. to not repeat that behavior mm-hmm. to be able to change and have a heart change and a mindset change mm-hmm. and then be able to live with different more positive choices and outcomes i don't know if that kind yes, of no it's 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 well it's a more holistic approach mm. it's dealing with the entire person not just the behavior yeah so so let's we started at the very top of this conversation talking about carl rittenhouse yeah let's for argument's sake say he's 15 years old because we're talking about I, I want to talk about youth justice yeah you and you're taking these two examples of you know making sure that the victims or the victims' families feel like the sense of rightness. Mm. You know, when I talk when we talk about justice, some right is being done. Mm. And and that we're dealing with this young man who's done something terrible. Mm. And what is the best cause? We're not attaching his behaviour to who he is as a person. Mm. I, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is mm. what I'm understanding from what you said. What would have been in your educated opinion considering mm. you have 25 years doing experience doing this <laughs> yeah and putting you know I have a real issue I think like as you do of trying children as adults what would have been the right thing to do for this man mm. because there's an uproar that he got acquitted yeah and I don't think it's his age actually no. I think it's what happened yeah. I think it's more I mean this brings us back to the race you yeah know, color stuff yeah what would have been the right course of action in your opinion. So here's the thing, and this is, and I, and I want people to, I don't want people to hear what I'm not saying. Okay. There has to be a judgment right. of wrong. Okay. In order to get forgiveness, in order to get mercy, right. you have to be guilty. Right, 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 right. So anything and everything about the Carl Rittenhouse, in my mind, the outcome is completely unjust. Mm-hmm. That's just a personal opinion mm-hmm. um, because there's been no acknowledgement of wrong. Right. So... There's a difference between being, having the judgment of what was wrong and then what we do with the person thereafter. Okay, okay, okay. 
even in our salvation, we have to have an acknowledgement of our wrong to access and be given the forgiveness of God. God is clear that there is a conviction. That's where we get all of these laws from and conviction comes from because God says our heart has to be convicted, but not condemned. That is the difference. Jesus and his entering um, and his dying on the cross freed us from condemnation. Got you, got you, got you. But the heart has to be convicted. Right, right. For clemency, you have to have been guilty. Mm -hmm. For mercy, you had to have been guilty. For forgiveness, you had to have been guilty. Right, 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 right. So that's my, so the very premise for me Mm -hmm. is the acknowledgement that a wrong was done. Right. You can't have reconciliation. You can't have forgiveness. You can't even begin to have justice if you do not acknowledge as a law, as a justice system, as a society, Mm -hmm. that wrong was done. Okay. Two people lost their life and another person was severely injured. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's been no acknowledgement of wrong. Okay. And that's a really good place to start. So we start by saying... This thing was wrong, right? What does the outcome look like once that acknowledgement of wrong has happened? So then that means you you have to, once you've acknowledged that there's a wrong here, how do we address a person's behavior who's wronged? And it is very, very, very subjective. It's case by case. That's the righteousness of God. You cannot mandate and say, anybody who's done this thing Mm will automatically end in this situation. And give you some examples. There are some mandatory sentences, um, you know, sometimes for murder, for carrying a weapon, all different types of things. There are some mandatory sentences. However, the spectrum of how somebody has ended up in murder, even in, if we think about cold in house and people that are putting up a self-defense, there are so many different spectrums of how a murder happened. One of my uh, young people that I've worked with, and he gives me permission to tell his story. Mm -hmm. Um, He ended up with a 12-month DTO, which is a a detention training order, um, 16 years of age, and he got manslaughter having killed someone. And people were outraged. It was all over the newspapers. It was all kinds of things. What were they outraged about? At the fact that he only got 12 months. Oh, okay. Which basically, in effect, meant that he would do six months in a young offenders institute and he'd be out within six months. Right. And for the the killing of another young person, Mm -hmm. right? And so people were outraged and and it was a lot of things and a a lot of stress and a lot of hassle and, and, and just horrific things happened to the families and everything else of those involved. On the surface... People will be like, absolutely, that is outrageous. Another young person who killed someone, 27 years. Uh, another young person killed someone, 18 years. Is this manslaughter we're saying? Still so manslaughter. manslaughter or murder, okay. right? So these different levels and different things, people are like, how, how come you've got different sentences? What is that about? And how did he get this one? And it all goes back down to the circumstances. In one case, somebody intentionally sought somebody, carried a weapon, took, deliberately went to do what they needed to do, you know, and murdered somebody. Yeah. Um, in another situation, an individual was, and, and as in the case with this particular young person, um, brother, his brother, him and his brother were uh, raised in um, a, a two-parent family up until a certain point. 
um, ended up in care system, um, lots of different things, drugs and different things was involved in the family, um, in, in the parents and different things like that. And so when the two younger brothers were taken, these two were just, that's all they had, if that makes sense. Mm. The younger brother was being bullied at school, all documented. The father, the older brother, they'd gone up to school, they followed all the right channels. Mm. Um, no action taken. Mm. The child was continuously bullied. Mm. So in the end, the old brother was then told, the person that's bullying your little brother, and it's happening right now, basically is here. So he went down to the school. Mm. And he was 16. The other boy was 16. His little brother was about, I think, 12 or 13 mm. at the time. And basic, or even younger, I think. And then, so basically they ended up having a fight. Mm -hmm. He punched him and basically knocked him out to the floor. Both got up and both went their separate ways. Mm -hmm. The next morning, police were at his door, or two days later, police were at his door saying, we're arresting you for murder. Because unfortunately, and totally sad and tragic, by the, the child that had went home, ended up taking a nap, went to sleep on his didn't couch. Didn't wake up. And didn't wake oof, up. Oof, oof, oof. Completely different circumstances. Yes, 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 yes. And so I give those two examples to say, both resulted in the death of somebody, yeah, the yeah. death of a young person. Yeah. Both tragic, both horrific. And even in the ones that got 30 years and things like that, there are always stories, there are always contexts. Yes, yes, yes. And I think this is where God's justice comes into play and what he, when he asks us about righteous judgment, mm. what are the circumstances mm. in each case by case? And don't just mandate one over here, this, and, and use unrighteous, you know, oppressions, racism, and all of these things, should, you know, to play a part in how you judge. Take it merit by merit, case by case. What are the circumstances? So that's the first thing in terms of, mm. in my mind, then determining the right path right, and the right, right, right outcome right, right. for any individual person that comes before the law. So then we have the, 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 the more fundamental system part that says, mm. what systems were in place that enabled this to happen? Mm -hmm. What are the root causes of some of the situations that our children end up in that enables criminality to be mm. one of the consequences of that child's upbringing. And I often believe that criminality is another outcome or consequence of trauma. I agree. I and particularly agree. with children, I then say, so if on the premise that criminality would be another, just as there would be, we, we see mental health issues, we see poor education, we see children rebelling and all different antisocial behaviours and all of these mm -hmm. kinds of things. Criminality to me is just another one of those mm -hmm. things mm -hmm. that it's a consequence for some children mm -hmm. who've in, ex, um, experienced extreme trauma. And so therefore, my question is, in a just society, mm -hmm. do we as a people think it's acceptable mm -hmm. to incarcerate traumatized children mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's a shift it changes the dynamic and you start to think hold on what is the right course of action for traumatized children mm -hmm. when we have children who are the victims of you know domestic violence and you know abuses and all of these things mm -hmm. we don't think to incarcerate them mm -hmm. so if one of the symptoms of their acting out and behavior has been to commit a crime mm -hmm. and it may be horrendous crimes mm -hmm. we don't run to incarceration we say okay mm -hmm. If you need to be separated for a period of time in order to heal, even as Christians, we've been there. How many of us have to separate, get therapy, get healing, whatever we want to you know, call it? There is, there is a process and there is a way that's going to heal that person. The current prison system 
mm. is never, ever going to be an environment yeah, ever yeah. where anybody can heal. Yeah. And I mean, like legitimately mm-hmm, heal. Mm-hmm. I've heard some people that definitely have benefited from being in prison mm-hmm. for lots of different um, reasons. Mm-hmm. However, the system isn't set up for your healing. Mm-hmm. Um, the systems aren't, you know, the, the, the people that you're incarcerated with, the, the way that we do the system is not so I'm not saying that there's not a time and a place where some children mm-hmm. may need to be separated mm-hmm. on people from society but it's in that separation if I'm dealing with traumatized children they get the best of everything mm. they get the best of care you people have a heart and a natural sympathy for children who've been through hell mm. so we think wrap your arms around them mm. love them mm. care for them how do we support them mm. so in getting the best of everything and in that isolation, then you start to think about what then does your prison system look like? What should it look like? If your idea is to give, so so I, I talk about it in terms of a, a kind of paradigm shift or a mindset shift that says, we have a, a philosophy in our criminal justice system that talks about crime and punishment and protecting the public yes. from harm. And I often say, number one, Anybody who's been incarcerated was in public, is is part of the public. (laughs) That's the first thing. But secondly, 80% of people who are incarcerated have had so many multiple levels of trauma, failings, and and, and all sorts of things. So if 80% of those people started from having this childhood trauma, then the incarceration has to look different. Mm. You see what I mean? It's got to shift. And we've then got to start thinking about, well, if they were members of public who've been traumatized and failed by multiple levels and systems and structures, do we need to be protected from them? Or do they need to be protected from the harm society did to them? Common Era is produced by Labora Press, an independent publisher run by the Catholic monastic order known as the Passionists. To find out more about either of those, you can go to labora.press or passionists.org.uk. In the next and final episode of the season, Anne-Marie and Matsudiso return to an ongoing theme. What does a just society really look like and how can we get there?